0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ed Krasnick, my partner, the high priestess of the hippocampus. We'll be here shortly, Jennifer Colari, She is a licensed therapist, and thank God she is. We need it bad. All kinds of things are happening today. This is the show where we unite mental health and comedy. We talk to people from entertainment all over the world of entertainment. And we not only talk about mental health, but we practice mental health skills because mental health is a practice. How'd you like that pause? Pretty good. Mental health is a practice. This is the show that's not afraid to take you to Dysfunky Town, the show that puts the cover in recovery, the show that invites you to take a break instead of a breakdown. This is a big show. We have a great guest. This is our first musician that we've had on the show. I'm excited. He is so many things. This guy's a podcaster, a songwriter, an illustrator, and an alternative guitarist from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mr. Brett Newsky will be joining us shortly. Brett Newsky, great musician, really interesting illustrator, has a book coming out. I'm excited. I'm excited. Now, we always do the show. We always start with emotional shout-outs. So no matter what emotional state you're in, I'm going to take a drink of water right now, and I'm going to announce it. Mmm, that's delicious, could be a sponsor. Here are emotional shout outs. If you're wearing your mask as a decorative scarf, welcome. If you need to take a class on how to attend a party now, welcome. If you go to hug someone, they fist bump you, and you transition to rock, paper, scissors, welcome. If you've learned how to hum in a disturbing fashion to create space in your own home, welcome. If you get mad at yourself for missing your compassion mindfulness course, welcome. If you've gone back to your office and can't navigate wearing pants, pants, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by a new sponsor. It's Baggage Wiper. Baggage Wiper is a powerful new tool that both identifies familial and ancestral emotions and the emotional baggage that you're carrying from your family and wipes it away. It's like Ancestry.com in reverse. Consider it like pruning your family tree. Keep your heritage, check your baggage. Come for the celebration, stay for the fear of abandonment with Baggage Wiper. Now, I wanna bring in our guests from the North and the South, a licensed therapist, a a shaman, uh, a, a, definitely a shaman, and the queen of oxytocin, and the high priestess of serotonin. <laughs> Let's say hello to Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, I'm going to make it longer every time now.
1: I love it. Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: going to come up with a lot more. I'll tell you, I want to talk about something. This show is called Space, The Final Frontier. <laughs> and what this is about is it's about creating space and how you do it in a world where you've been quarantined with your your loved ones for a long time. You're coming out into the world, mm-hmm. but you may feel awkward in the world. And it's also about, you know, there's a great meditation app called Headspace, hopefully a sponsor one day, but we're talking about creating Headspace too. Yeah. How do you ask for it? How do you realize that you need it? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with it? Before you explode.
1: So the first thing is, you really don't ask for it. You have to take it. So one of the things we have to understand is that we're responsible for our own boundaries and for ourselves. Other people need to worry about theirs, and they're, they they will really take and take. That's even though they love you. If you don't set your boundaries, people are going to take boundaries. So if you're the kind of person that's a super people pleaser, you're going to end up pleasing people, and the other people have no problem taking. So you're responsible for you and that's a really, really important thing. And that goes back to, we've talked about this a few times on the show, Ed, where we talk about being nice versus being kind, where sometimes you just have to say to someone, hey, I love you, I'd love to hear that story, I'd love to spend some time with you, but I need some time alone today or I need to go walk for a walk by myself or I need to go in my room and shut the door for an hour and take that time because if you try to hint and you're like, oh, I'm feeling a little tired like people will not necessarily respect that then you'll end up bending not taking the time that you need and that's what builds up the resentment right because you kind of hope that they figure it out or they can mind read or they can you know tell what you really want but they don't care and most of the time people are in their own heads they're the stars of their own movie right it is hard but you have to take it with your kids with your spouse just hey love you but this walk is just me by myself I'm going and that's not easy for people, but it's actually really important part of self-care.
0: What's the early warning system? What what do you, how do you monitor so that, because I think oftentimes, and I know this is true of me, I know what's going on, but I wait too long.
1: You do. You probably wait till you get into what I call the potato chip phase. Okay. Yeah. This is yes. the potato chip phase. Yes. This is where you've really given too much time to the other person. You really haven't taken the time that you need. You love them, but now every single thing that they're doing is driving you crazy. So they reach over and they grab a chip and they go to, to, to eat it. And you're so mad you want to just grab the bag out of their hand. But the sound of them chewing mm. makes you angry. If you get sort of like your whole system is like electrified and every single thing that person does, even though you love them so much, is driving you crazy. You're way past the early warning system. Right, right, and you don't want to get there because then you're mean, and then you end up hurting the other person, and then you feel terrible that you did that. That doesn't help anything. Right, nothing, nothing was solved there. So the early warning system is usually a very small feeling in your gut when someone says, "Hey, you know, can I sit with you, or do you want to come for a walk with me, or can you do this for me, or can you come with me, or share this with me, or whatever it is?" And if you have a little feeling in your stomach, that's a drop. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like a little, little drop. Pay attention to that. That's telling you something. If someone asks you to do something with them or share time with them and it makes you feel stronger, then it's the right decision. If you feel the drop, then it's the wrong decision and go and take some time for yourself. And then certainly promise them that later on you'd love to do something special with them and do something together with them. But you it's so important not to deplete yourself and it, people are terrible at this, but it's so important for good mental health.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if there's a way that you can practice this and I don't know what the way is uh, because I, I have a hard time, you know, really, I don't really listen to myself that well. Like a lot of times I don't even know what I'm feeling. Right. In fact, I have to call, I have to call the police to actually (laughs) investigate on a 411 and see what, what, what is he feeling?
1: Well, you know what? It's usually like, if your response is like a, like a sigh, like a, that's your first clue. Don't do it. Right. Right. If your if your body's response is, oh, that's telling you everything you need to know. And, and what can be really helpful too, is having a conversation with your kids or your loved one, not when they want you to do something at a completely different time. So you're not worried about disappointing them. You're not having to answer in the moment and just say, you know, I've noticed that I don't spend enough time by myself. I'm not doing enough, you know, to sort of, work on my mental health and take time alone and, you know, shut things off and, and say to your loved one, I I would love you to help me. I'm really bad at asking for this. And sometimes when you want me to do something, I might drop my shoulders. I might sigh slightly. There might be a little sign that I love you and I want to do it, but it's not right for me in that moment. And honestly, your loved ones love you. So they will be more, they will actually do it for you. They'll say, Oh, I saw it. Don't worry. Go for a walk by yourself. It's 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 really becoming more comfortable with A, knowing yourself and also asking your loved ones for help. They wanna help.
0: Well, I think it's a great thing to say. You know it's not easy for me to, mm-hmm. to get to take space. You know that no. I don't do that well, and then you know what happens on the other end. So maybe this is a time when I can do that. Yeah, I think it's okay to admit what you're what you're going through while yeah. you're learning. I think Absolutely. that's okay across the board. It is. You know, it's a great way to set. you state it. Here's what's going on. And I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to try to sing another thing that I'm not great at. And I don't know if other people can relate to this, but I'm a very social person. And I have a very hard time saying goodbye to people.
1: Yep. It's transition. Transitions are hard.
0: In fact, when I would go to parties with my friends, uh, my friend Dave would stand behind me and he would start singing the Jackson 5 song, Never Can Say Goodbye. (laughs) He would so say I, and he would get louder and louder.
1: So can I ask you something? Is it because yeah. it hurts you? you're worried that you're gonna hurt their feelings by being the one that says it's time to go? Like is it does it have to do with the nice? No. Thing? No. It's it's, you're it's I like, I, like want yeah. to
0: I mean sometimes it is, but most oftentimes I'm engaged and I like right. to sing I'm a very social person and I I could talk to people for a long time. There are times when I actually know that I wanna leave, but I can't.
1: Okay. Well, that was, just, that was my question. How is that a problem? Like, if, so what? It's, sometimes it's not a
0: problem, but sometimes it is for the people that I'm with who do want to leave. Yeah. But sometimes it's really like, like I, this is very funny to me, The tra- you talk about transitions being mm-hmm. difficult. Well, the most awkward transition, and, and our guests will relate to this too, and I'm sure you do, Jennifer, also, you've spoken in front of a lot of people before, mm-hmm. is the transition between being introduced... And taking the mic and actually starting to talk on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's a a very awkward transition. And I will be talking to people right up until the time I'm about to go on. And sometimes I'll even back out onto the stage
1: (laughs) finishing a conversation.
0: Yeah. I've done that. I haven't done it a lot. But I'm just saying it's a very awkward transitional moment.
1: So I'm going to give you a piece of homework and people who are listening can do this. The midbrain, the limbic system just does what we believe. If we truly believe I'm a procrastinator or I am terrible with money or I can't say goodbye, then your brain's just trying to be a good brain and keep doing that for you because it likes what's familiar and it thinks that's what you want. When What you believe is what your brain thinks you want. So start saying to yourself, I'm perfectly good at saying goodbye I'm fine at transitioning to leaving after a party and then do our favorite thing where you just start imagining yourself having a really smooth, like very graceful, oh, it's been lovely. I'll see you again. And see yourself just kind of moving and and getting in your car, going, huh, I did a really good job of that. And practice that in your mind because then it's familiar. Then your brain goes, oh, I can do that. I've done it before. It doesn't know you're imagining it, it thinks you've done it. So that would be my suggestion.
0: That's really great because you get a story about it, a behavior mm-hmm. that you have, whatever it is, and sure. you get a story about it and it builds up. So yeah. now you just say, the, you know, you say what's going to be helpful to you. Yeah. I am good at this. I, I can do that. this. I mm-hmm. say goodbye and I leave. It's very easy for me.
1: And not just I can do it. I do do it. I'm good at I it. I do it. Like in the present. Yeah.
0: I'm good. I'm okay with, I'm good with this. Yeah. I'm good at saying goodbye. Well, I'm going to say goodbye right now. No, I'm not God. going to do that because we still have a show to do. In fact, I want to bring on our guest. This is really interesting for me because this guy is a, is a musician. Well, he's a lot of things. He's multi-talented. He's an indie Midwestern rocker. He plays rock. He writes songs. He podcasts. He's a terrific illustrator from uh, looking at his his drawings. And I want to play a little song that he has, one of the many. With Stephen Page from Bare Naked Ladies. He recorded a song uh, called I Should Have Listened to Ferris Bueller. And right now, let's take a listen to that song, a little piece of that song, and then we'll come back with our guest, Brett Newski, in just a minute.
2: Watch them all pretend that they don't know me. So I take a seat next to you instead. Wish I never did. Why did I do that? Did I see that?
0: Okay, you're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with Ed Krasink and Jennifer Kalari. And right now, I want to welcome our guest, musician, songwriter, podcaster, illustrator, but also a guy who incorporates mental health into his music and talks about it at his shows all over the world. And that's Brett Newsky. Brett, welcome to the show. We have a therapist on board, so everything's <laughs> going to be all right, okay? Welcome,
1: Brett.
3: Eddie Money, what's going on? Well, I
0: have one ticket to paradise, but I'll buy more. Yeah. Kalari, you're good. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. I was listening the whole time. Awesome. You're damn right. She puts the funk in dysfunction. You're not <laughs> kidding about it. She knows how to do it. There's a lot of things I want to ask you, but you've got stuff in your, in your world. You're a musician. You tour all over the world. But you incorporate uh, mental health, anxiety, depression, all kinds of other things. You have a book called It's, it's Hard to Be a Person. Yes. You have the Anxiety Anthem. You're almost like a you're like a mental health advocate. How did all this work about mental health and anxiety and depression and life issues? How did that work its way into your music and when did you know you could do it?
3: Yeah, I think that was always kind of a a underlying theme early on in songwriting. You know, I was kind of a weird kid that uh hung out in my parents' basement on weekends and, and when I was like in grade school or middle school or high school, while everyone else was like giving each other brain damage at the football field, like crushing each other in recreational football, so I would be like hiding out playing songs, and that was always just a great therapy for me. The mental health thing coming to the forefront started recently because cause I, had, I had started doing drawings, like kind of making fun of my own depression and anxieties and like little cartoons, putting them online. And I just started doing it as a joke, basically. The response to them was like pretty warm. So people told me, keep doing them. And uh, I just kept going with them. And then my, uh, uh, my person, Anna, was like, you know, you should keep going on this. This could be a book in like a couple of years, you know, if you keep trucking. And I thought it was a cool idea. And yeah, three years later, had enough drawings for a book. And uh, it was easily the hardest project I've ever done because it was like it was just like such a battle to stay on track and like put everything together in the end, just like organizing. I think perhaps you guys can relate. It's like that I think that's the hardest part for any, like, um, creator. Crea- I think everyone's a creative person in, in some respects, but, but people who, who do it as, like, their main m- mission, maybe, that organization is always the, the real bitch.
1: Yeah, when you're a visionary, right? When you're a visionary, it's hard to get it out and organized. That's daunting. Yeah. And you have to figure
0: out what works for you. you have, well, the hard thing about it is you think you're supposed to be a certain way. And you have to go with what works for you. And you have to figure out how you work, separate from what you do. Yeah. Like, what works for me? And and that's hard for people because you want to be, you know, I, I imagine perfection comes up, too.
3: Yeah. And, and that takes a long time to kind of figure out who you are and what your ethos is and what your philosophies are and what kind of your your work template is to stay sane, you know? So... Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's like only in the last couple of years have I developed ways to kind of organize my day and just like, okay, I'll do songwriting in the morning and everything that works with that part of the brain. And then I'll do some graphic design or maybe some promotional stuff in the afternoon. So like batching or like grouping similar activities together has been really huge and like not driving myself insane the, the past couple of years and just getting more things done and having more free time for leisure because I feel like leisure can be hard work for some American citizens, hmm. you know, cause it's like, we got to <laughs> yeah. produce, we got to produce, we got to get the numbers up in the third quarter. You know, if you're not producing all your peers and, you know pals are and you're observing that on social media so i think leisure is uh highly underrated
0: as a means to being good at work
1: oh i totally agree absolutely
0: yeah but you actually you actually we talk about space the final frontier you make the fact that you can make space for that you know on a daily basis and have some time for that have some time for what leisure and what what is leisure to you like what is leisure to you
3: great question ed um I mean, this past year, it came in the form of like uh, camping. And I'm not even a person who's, I'm not like a woodsman. Like, I don't know how to camp. I don't even know how to set up a tent. But uh, I used like our tour cargo van as like a, a, and did a bunch of van camping with my buddy Scotto. You know, it was great because I hadn't taken a break from touring in eight years. And I was just on the hamster wheel, just going and going. And it was awesome. Like, we, we did all this cool stuff and toured all these places we never thought we'd get to. And it was like all these things were happening that like we had dreamed of them happening. And, uh, but we were also like so physically burnt out that it was, it became a little tough to enjoy some of it. So all of a sudden it felt like, you know, being retired there when we had that year off and, you know, we were sitting in the woods
0: smoking cigars, drinking beers and, uh, was pretty, you know, pretty good. (laughs) yeah this retirement could really be good for a while. Uh, I'm ready to retire, but I haven't really done much so'm um, it's not time for me yet. I have a lot of work to do. but Jennifer, you are a big camping enthusiast. I am. and you really yeah. use that as part of your leisure time I do what what is it about camping that's that so that does it for you?
1: i mean, just, I like what Brett was saying, like just seeing places you wouldn't normally go to. I mean, during COVID, it was great because you just have your house behind your car. So I, I had a little trailer and then I don't have to worry about going anywhere. I don't want to go. My stuff is behind me the whole time, but I like going camping to like remote places like in the desert or where I can't, where my phone doesn't work. <laughs> That's what right. I like. Cause right. then I can't, I just, I really have no choice. But to shut down and just be in a beautiful space and see the stars at night and cook and eat and rest and read. And it just connects you back to nature. Nature is an incredibly healing thing. It's the it's the best therapy and it's free.
0: And nature also is somewhere near you, no matter what you're doing. And if it's it's not near you and you can't get out to it, look at pictures of nature. Because I'll tell you something, watching CBS Sunday morning, they have a minute. In that show where they show a landscape without sound. It's and so it's relaxing. just the natural sound. And I swear to God, I remember that all week. Like just yes. that minute hmm. will, will take up like a week. Because it's quiet and it's okay to be quiet. And you need it. You need it in your, in your life. And you need it around something natural. Even if it's looking at a picture, it's still medicinal for you. Now, now, Brett, you, th- there's something really interesting. When you recorded your first album, you recorded it o- around Southeast Asia in budget hotels and hostels. Yeah. How did you accomplish it? And, you know, how do you take care of yourself while you're – doing that kind of stuff while you're touring. Well,
3: that was... Yeah, so I was kind of in total limbo. I was like a 21, 22-year-old out of college, and my world had kind of fallen apart back home in Wisconsin. Like, my girlfriend and I broke up. My best friend and I kind of had a falling out. You know, I, I was like in between jobs, and uh, all my friends had moved away out of school. And so it, it just started kind of as this travel mission because I met, I met this guy... Uh, this Australian guy named Kent Chambers, and he was like, he was like a quintessential Australian guy. He's like, mate, you can you can live on four dollars a day in uh, Asia. So I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm gonna do that. So I went to Asia and I lived on you know four or five six bucks a day. Um, I mean, I mean, it it was not nice. Like I was staying in like uh <laughs> like straw huts, and I remember mm. one one night I had this like three dollar bunk bed in like north thailand and there was like this this young couple next to me in the neighboring bunk like making out i was like oh no oh yeah yeah and then like i woke up in the morning and they were gone and all the all the sheets were gone and it was just like it was there was just like blood everywhere it just looked like a murder i was like this i gotta, oh, <laughs> like, I gotta get oh. out of here and it was like horrible horrible places like uh, one after another but it I feel like it was like it was like this enlightening experience mm-hmm. because you feel these like catatonic lows that you didn't even think were possible. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. like, how am I going to handle myself when I'm this lonely? And it really it, it gives it builds your barometer for, I think, mm-hmm. what you're capable of and, and what you do and don't want to do. And obviously the highs are very high, too. But after a while of kind of traveling around kind of missionless, I started just trying I would like talk to locals to try to find little recording studios and I would ask an old German guy at the bar who was playing guitar like, "Hey, I'm in Pai, Thailand. Where's who can record?" And he's like, "Oh, this guy down here, he's got a little makeshift studio in his hut." So I would go over. It, would, it was like 10 bucks an hour or something and record a couple songs and I did that in several cities along the, the trek, and it, it kind of gave me a purpose and like a, a, a reason to travel and it, it kind of scratched the creative itch. And by the end of that trip, I had, you know, I had, I think like 15 pretty cool like recordings and they were a bit lo-fi sounding, but some of them sounded really cool. And um, it was before I knew how to do anything like music industry wise so it was like kind of a, a, a warm-up record of that no one really heard just because i didn't know how to promote music at the time but uh i think it's still on the internet somewhere yeah it's called in between exits it's um yeah
0: wow that that sounds that sounds like a, a blast and a crazy life-changing experience Wait, and and let me just ask you in the in that hut when you had the blood was that complimentary
3: yeah that i mean no <laughs> charge ed you
0: know yeah that's the the complimentary blood what is so you write this book your your drawings are really interesting i love them they're they're childlike but they're also really evocative and that's the first time i've used both these words in a sentence (laughs) uh and i think you can tell that real honor the title of the book is it's hard to be a person so what's still hard for you yeah i mean
3: it's kind of a relief to be out of my 20s to be honest uh just cuz i feel like i had no uh, yeah i just didn't have a good good grip kind of on uh maybe my 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 missions and my philosophies and and what i was good at and how i should be spending my time so it's been cool to like you know go through like a couple really deep relationships and have longer relationships and just kind of like You just learn so much so fast when you can when you can get really deep in a relationship, even if it's really hard. So but, you know, I don't know. I have really up days and really down days. I don't think I'm bipolar. I I definitely don't think that. But I feel like I I feel like maybe I'm like diet bipolar or something where it's like (laughs) I get in I get in Uh these zones where I'm like on fire and I'm like, man, like I'll just feel like this all the time. And I'm just, like, getting stuff done, thinking really clearly, you know, creating, writing. And then, like, two days later, I'm, like, you know, on the other side of that yin and the yang. And I'm, like, man, I'm my brain is fuzzy. I'm, in, I'm anxious. Uh, it, it's just so hard to predict. So um, I just kind of have expected to have it be a little bit of a, a roller coaster. And, I, you know, I'm okay with that.
0: Jennifer, can you speak to that? Like, how, yeah. how you figure out that the roller coaster is part of the ride?
1: Well, I, listen. It's, I hear this all the time, and a lot, a lot of a lot of creative people. This is very true for because you have a lot of creative energy. You, you have a brain that I, I, I say fractalizes. So You just kind of think of something, and then you think of something else, which reminds you of something else, and it's exhausting, but it's also fun. Um, and I mean, everyone has these ups and downs anyway. There's these natural rhythms anyway to just being human it's just for some people they're bigger dips and i I think i think you know brett what you're saying makes so much sense because when people are really in that up stage sometimes they're like oh god i have to stay like this i don't i don't want to not feel like this this is great and you sort of have angst when you're up too and then when you're in the down you think you sort of forget that you ever are up
3: yes so what i
1: often tell people is is just when you're up that's great and just know that it probably isn't going to last that long uh, and I don't mean in a negative way, great, I'm up, it's going to it's gonna fall apart. But it's more, I'm enjoying being up. I don't know how long I'll be up. It's great to be up. I'm sure I'll go down again and I'm just going to be okay with where I am right now. That kind of energy. And then when you're down, it's like, okay, I'm down. This sucks. This doesn't yeah. feel great. But I know that this down means an up is coming.
3: Yes. That's, that's the key. That's the spirit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's like when you're down, you... I mean, I call it like the toilet bowl of despair cuz you're just like whirling around and you know and you feel like a turd. Legitimately, it's like, "Ah, oh, I can't even get off the couch with the big lulls." Yeah, I just try to like remind myself and tell my buddies that it's like only temporary and the way I try to think about like like big depressive troughs, like you really just have to accumulate more time behind you. And you're fine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it, and that's weird because it feels like time standing still, but just like keep existing and it, it, it gets better. I feel like, you know, It'll every, every yeah. hour, you know.
1: I mean, it, listen, it's really, it is very hard to be in that down. And there's, there are lots of strategies to use when you're anxious. There's some strategies to use when you can feel yourself dropping down. But when you're in that really heavy down stage where it, even just getting up or taking a shower is exhausting, people don't understand that we've talked about this before, you know, family members are like, why don't you take a shower and go for a walk? And why don't you do this? And you can't really do anything when you're like that. And people don't get it. They're like, why, why can't you? And I had someone explain it to me once they said, like, imagine, I don't know, like, some horrible tragedy just happened in your family, literally, like 20 minutes before and people are saying, Oh, just think about your happy place. And you know, go for a walk, yeah. and why don't you try your breathing? It's like your body—nothing's happened, but your body doesn't know that, right? So it's like your body is experiencing this tragedy, this terrible thing with no reason to. And then what happens is, for for you know, certainly especially true for the brighter people who really overthink, is then they feel like an idiot. I don't even have a reason to be down sure. here. Sure. What is the matter with me? And then you feel shame and guilt for even feeling bad. So it ends up being this kind of cycle, but. I call it touching the bottom too. I feel like for a lot of people, it's almost like, I don't know, you get nervous of being too happy for too long and you just kind of start worrying that there's going to be this down. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull the plug. I'm just going to detonate. I'm going to go down and I'm going to touch the bottom and then I'm going to be able to float back up to the top. And you don't have to live this way. There, there are ways to integrate. Everyone has ups and downs, but they don't have to be quite as dramatic and there are ways to to integrate that but it's it's more when you're feeling good that you have to do the work you can't really do the work when you're yeah so down right you have I, your, I
0: think yeah. it, i think if you can remove and i think a big part well it's always been a big part for me is removing the layer that beats myself up for whatever i'm doing yeah. so if i remove the beating up part it makes it a lot easier to move it's the beating mm-hmm. yourself up part that keeps you in, that keeps you down or that increases you yeah. know the down feeling Yeah. Can and her, it's, it's the commentary on it if the commentary her. was just i'm fine and i'm just having a down and it'll be, be you know be okay and i'm i am okay
1: yeah it, then it, it changes it's the voice in the head you're you're an idiot what's wrong with you you shouldn't be doing this you have no reason to be doing this you're such a loser like it's, it's it can get really ugly in your head sometimes when you feel like this and you're right, Ed, it's that voice. And it's very hard to shut that voice up sometimes.
0: But I hear I hear Brett's voice, and it's sort of like, all right, okay, it's a roller coaster. I know it. I've been there. It comes, it goes up and it comes down. Yeah. I mean, I hear just the tone of your voice is really what it's about.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, on your note with um, uh, Jen, you were, you were talking about how, I think you were kind of referring to like meeting people's energies kind of in the middle because i can relate to that like my relationship with my pops like he's always pumped he's like always optimistic never runs out of energy he's like a total legend he was like he's like a radio <laughs> radio sales guy so he's like what's up Vinny Newski? good to see you and he's like people love him he's like a, <laughs> he's 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 a, he's a damn legend But me being always like this little emo kid, like growing up and like, (laughs) you know, being in like a conservative public high school and like, it it was kind of hard to find like the arts and the arty kids and it was hard to start a band I was always like afraid of telling people I was in a band because they would make fun of me and call me a pussy or whatever Mm -hmm. but my pops whenever I'd come home from school he'd come up and he'd be like what's going on buddy great to see you and he'd like poke me and like he was just like trying to be cool and show me affection but it was just like it was like so psychotic to me being on this like (laughs) lower level of low energy emo-ness like I could Mm. it was like so hard Mm. to connect so I kind of you know I think he doesn't necessarily relate to like um like the emo brain or whatever you want to call it like he doesn't get depressed so I told him just the other day as I've kind of gotten older we've had some more neat conversations and I'm like yeah you just um you gotta meet meet my energy halfway because I just don't have I don't have like the superpowers that you do, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: And what did he say? How did he respond to that? Um. Yeah, he was. He said, "Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great ad- terrific great advice, buddy. Hell yeah, <laughs> you
3: know? yeah. yeah, sure, of um, course. No, he was cool about <laughs> yeah. it. You know, I think he has just that really hyper brain. So he's always like doing stuff. He love he loves getting shit done, which is admirable. But I always, I always try to like corner him and like today, I'm like, hey turn off the computer i'm here for lunch let's ha- let's actually hang out cuz i think he he's going at hyperspeed he's the energizer bunny the man just needs to be reminded that uh, you know radio sales is a second priority to uh, his emo son
1: <laughs> well yeah. it's it's so interesting to hear you say this cuz i work with a lot of teenagers and, are a, lot, and a lot of kids Um, and young adults and, and they talk about that with like the parent, they, and it sounds like your dad is just like this, but a lot of parents think, oh, I got to come in and I got to be like, Hey, how are you? To, to, to offset and compensate for how sad their kid is. But that is actually noise. It's like, it's, it's overwhelming actually when you're feeling that down and you sound like you're, I mean, certainly as a kid, but probably even now, like exquisitely sensitive. Right. Like most kids who create music, who need a lot of time alone, who are in their heads a lot, they're really, really sensitive to their environment. You can probably even walk into a room and feel other people's moods kind of, and it can affect yours. Totally. So the, for anyone listening who's a parent of a kid like this, I mean, you're an adult now, but what kids really need is someone to just match their energy And I don't mean sit there and cry with you, but just be quiet and like, hey, do you need anything? Dart in and dart out of the room. I'm sorry your brain's doing this to you. I'm so sorry you're feeling so terrible. Can I just sit with you? Like, they don't have to sit there and talk you out of it. You can't talk someone out of it. First of all, it's it's obnoxious and it doesn't work. Um, And they'll just talk you into it anyway. Um, They'll give you all the reasons why they shouldn't cheer up. And and it's painful for a parent to watch your child suffer. It's really quite a hard thing to watch. But what they really need is just your presence. They need you to hold space for it. They need you to just sit there and love you and accept you for who you are. And most of the time you will lift. And then when you do lift, it's the worst when you come out and they're like, oh, look who's out. This is great, mm-hmm. right? And then you want to go right back in. So the the message for any parents listening is just, just kind of bring it down a little bit and Create that space for your, for your overthinking, extra sensitive kid, because it's not easy to have a brain like that.
0: Well, I would say take a pause, too. I, you know, pausing is such a big part of, of mental health. Uh, it's such a great tool. And I would say do less, because the instinct is to do more. You're panicking. What's going on with me, I, I can speak for myself as a parent, is I'm panicking inside. Of course. And I'm thinking yeah. that I have to do something, and I'm thinking that I have to stop something it's my own panic it's not yeah. my daughter's emotions that are causing me the issues it's my own panic about feelings yeah yeah,
3: yeah. Hey, is it cool if i ask a question yeah oh no you can't no
0: <laughs> questioning yeah well, i
3: need i need your advice uh Ed and jennifer um because i i'm kind of wondering like you talk about absorbing people's energies what what mm-hmm. if you really kind of feel that on a on a heavy level what happens when you like walk into a room with like a lot of people like for me it's like doing no. gigs and stuff like i get really nervous not for playing the gig yeah. but like the social stuff around it where it's like sure. i just get so panicked and um, i want to make sure everyone's having a good time and i like want to put put on i want to be chipper for the people yeah like it it does it does give me a lot of anxiety and i i think i just absorb like m- everyone in the room's energy yeah how do I do that to a point where I'm like having a better time and and relaxing and not like uh putting so much pressure on myself like in a in a big group hang
1: so that's a really good question. Once you're performing, does all the anxiety go away? Then you're fine for the most part. Or is this just at a party or something? I mean, it
3: could be. It could be either. Either way. Um. But yeah, I mean, for even like mid mid show, if I'm playing, a lot of times I feel like I'm hitting it. But sometimes I'll get in my head, like I'll see like some mm-hmm. grumpy person's face in the second row. I'll be like, that guy hates me. This lady uh, is <laughs> bored. She's gonna leave. And then I start doing that. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, the tough part is the hangs before and after.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know, I don't know about the hangs. I mean, the hangs are, are awkward because they are awkward. They're not comfortable for anybody. Even people who like it, it's not comfortable for them. They've just become used to doing it and they they, they figure out how to navigate it. Nobody, I don't think anybody like loves it. Maybe your dad, maybe, maybe people who are gregarious in that way. But I think... Just tuning into yourself and doing less. I, I had Milton Berle, who is a, an old comic, a yeah. legend, really, Mr. TV. He said to me, don't say anything. He said, if you, if you think you're going slow, go slower. Yeah. Slow it down. Slow it down. You can have a mantra in your own head, and the word is slow. Slow yeah, down. That's good. Take a second take a minute hang, hang in there for a second let's not do any we're not doing anything slow down slow down you're fine yeah and you are fine and then performing I would say that's a different a different speed and I would say use whatever you're thinking about at the time I'm worried that people are going to hate me here I don't yeah. know if it's true but that's what's going on in my head and I'm gonna sing about it When I am able to write a song called "I'm Worried That You you Hate Me," which I haven't written yet, you know. But I mean, but I mean, you can use you can use anything. Yeah, yeah. Use it. Use it. it. Comment on it. Don't pretend you're feeling a different way than you're feeling. I feel what what you're feeling.
3: I legitimately just wrote down. I'm worried that you hate me. That sounds like a good like uh, like folk punk song. song, You know, (laughs) anti
0: folk punk. song. Oh, that's that that's a hit song that's i mean awesome. that's not even forget about it that's a that's a million songs.
1: And i have a couple of suggestions too because highly sensitive people they're exquisitely sensitive to their environment it's one of the reasons why you can produce such beautiful songs and such amazing music is that you're seeing all those details right you're and you can feel what other people feel that that's what makes you a good artist that's what makes comics great comics but it also works against you so your brain can do that which is great but it can also turn on you Mm -hmm. just like you just described i think that guy hates me i think that woman's gonna leave and then what am i gonna do what if the whole audience leaves and then you're on some spinning thing that you can't control when your thoughts start taking over it can be really difficult to get control back again so i'm going to give you a couple of suggestions and this is this is really for anybody who gets nervous at a party or whatever sounds like in that case you got thrown off you looked at that guy he looks grumpy which, by the way, could have been a million other things, and probably was, right? That, we yeah. sort of assume that it has to do with us, but who knows? Maybe his wife just left him. I don't know. Who knows what's going on with that him that? Might in the front just row, be but- his
0: face. <laughs> no, it might be his face. He might have slept in a room with a with a, a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood in the room. It yeah. <laughs> bothered him. I
1: don't know. Could be. Who knows? But He's a it, it wouldn't. It's not even necessarily like context. It not, might not even necessarily be you. But here's the thing: when you feel that energy. Before this, a lot of things you have to do before you go to the party or before you go out and have to schmooze with everybody before you go on stage. It's you really have to ground yourself. So you can actually drop your tongue in the bottom of your mouth, drop your shoulders, relax your jaw, like really just find that, turn inward a little bit and find a way to kind of anchor yourself. And this sounds so ridiculous and so simple, but this is actually really powerful. Sit for a minute in a chair, cross your legs and put your palms together. This is has to be why it's the universal thing that humans do to pray. And I'm not saying you should pray. I'm just saying, put your palms together. Mm -hmm. What happens when you put your palms together and you cross your legs is literally you are closing off your own energy circuits. We're bioelectric. We're giant batteries, human beings. So when you close your own circuit, you're actually much less likely to take on other people's energy. And if you do that for about 30 seconds, maybe, or a minute. So just go in the dressing room or go in the bathroom or go away from people and just do that for a second. Put your palms together, cross your legs, drop your tongue and just do that for 30 seconds. You will come out and you will be far less affected by the people around you.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm doing it right now. feels cool.
1: Yeah, it really does feel good. And it's just we're bioelectric. So we just close our own circuit and then we're less likely to take on other people's energy. The other thing I think that's really important is if you can stop the thought before it starts gaining any momentum. You know, Ed and I talk about this a lot in the show, but you have one thought like that guy hates me, or that woman looks bored, and then immediately take your eye and try to look for people who are smiling, leaning forward, you know, their eyes are open and looking at you. Search for something else because the minute you, uh oh, people are bored, your brain is going to find everything that's wrong in that room. Yeah. So before it starts happening Set your intention, and this is actually the reticular activation system in the brain. It's like a neural network that actually—it's like Google. You're like tagging things <laughs> yeah, in the room. Nice. So start tagging. Oh, that person's tapping along, and that person looks happy, and just use use the the information in the room to shift your mind. Don't focus yeah. on that one person.
3: That's a good. That's good advice. And actually, you bring that up, it reminds me. Of this time, I was like, I was playing this house party. And it was like, it was like, I needed the gig. It was like a huge money gig, but it was like a rowdy ass, like, house party, private party.
1: Not and I people.
3: and they were cool. <laughs> they were awesome. They were just raging. And I can't, I'm so, I right. was sober. And like, <laughs> and like the house is packed. And I'm like trying to find solace before the gig to write a set list and like just find mm-hmm. some peace. Cause I'm like really losing the plot. And it, there's no space <laughs> unturned that doesn't have someone like just chugging a giant bud light. So The only place I can find is an active sauna in the downstairs that no one's in. So in my full clothes, I legitimately just like sat in the sauna for like 15 minutes with my clothes on and then like got some peace of mind and came out like sweat, like sweaty as hell. And like, I went upstairs to play and they're like, why are you so sweaty? (laughs) And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I I drink a lot of gravy. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, and yeah. then I did the show, but I was yeah. uh, the sauna kind of helped warm me up. I guess. Yeah, but
1: you knew you knew what you needed, right? Yeah. you knew what you needed. You're, you you, needed, gave, you yeah. gave yourself something. You gave you yourself something. Yeah.
3: Have you seen these portable saunas that it's like a like a like a bag? It's like a sauna bag suit oh, that's that you wear. So
1: weird. Yeah, yeah, and you poke your
3: head out the top. Absolutely I kind of want to get one. Like the sauna is magical.
1: Saunas are so good for you. So so Kolari is actually pronounced Kolari, which is actually a Finnish name. So the Finns are just famous for the, And they don't say sauna. They say sauna. And it is a whole art. It is a way of being like, and I, I, my, it's my husband's family and they go into this, it's like 150 degree. I don't know how their like face isn't melting off. It's, it's unbelievable, but it clears toxins. It's good for your immune system. It's so good for you. The Scandinavians,
3: they they do have it figured out. Um, I remember we did a festival in Iceland two years ago. And there, you know, like our public pools in America are like, you know, they're kind of, I don't know, you know, big gulps and candy and snow cones and like people Mm -hmm. like getting sunburn. In in (laughs) Iceland, it's like their public pools are like huge saunas with ice baths and like steam rooms. And you like go around in the circuit. And you jump in the ice bath and then you go in the steamer and then the sauna and then you chill in the yeah. hot tub and it's like $8 and it's like the best therapy you'll ever know. And everyone's like, everyone looks amazing and is just at peace. They're very relaxed. Yeah.
0: It's- <laughs> yeah. You, know, you know, give yourself the gift of a sauna. Taking a sauna is hot. It's mental health is yeah. hot. Give, a, give you the message that these things are great for you and, and change the temperature I I like, you know, and if you can't do that, go into your bathroom, put the shower on, make it into a steam room. I love steam rooms too. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy that. And I will go in after the show and wear my clothes and I'm just going to sweat clothes because I don't care anymore. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I do care, but I need some heat in my life. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. We should start like a (laughs) sauna
3: club or something because like sitting in a sauna by yourself is like, it's not... Fun. But if you're like hanging out with like a couple, you know, classic uh, local men or ladies there, I mean, it just passes the time so quickly. It's really fun.
0: Well, I used to go into the Jewish Community Center in San Francisco and there were old Russian men naked yes. sitting in a sauna. And I was a young comic and I was promoting my shows and I brought flyers into the <laughs> sauna. And that, and that was a mistake because the ink starts to run. They hate yeah. you and that you're disturbing everyone, and they're speaking in Russian.
3: Were they beating each other with those leaves?
0: They It wasn't that old. It wasn't that great. It was, you know, Russian Jews who were, you know, sweating for their ancestors, nice. which is, you know, which I think is a is a show now on Broadway. But anyway, I, I think we're going to have to say goodbye, which I can never do, but I'm doing it now. Well done. But I, first of all, Brett, I want to, First of all, thank you. It is a pleasure to meet you. I want you to come back and I want you to play some music when you come back. Oh yeah. Thanks,
3: Ed. That's it's been a real honor. I mean, you are you're both super pros, so so easy flowing here and I'd love to see you do some stand up out in California. I'll be out there in sometime in the summer. And Jennifer, I appreciate the free therapy. You're you're super pro. It's really uh <laughs> awesome. you're something. It's good
1: no it's my pleasure it was great having you on this show thank you so much
0: appreciate it and i want to meet your dad because i i can't wait to meet him no I he love wants it. to party with you i love you dad i'm a hebrew hurricane look out <laughs> he'll buy you an old-fashioned when you
3: come to wisconsin
0: well, listen i am old-fashioned so i don't mind it and i like wisconsin i've toured around there doing stand-up and i loved yeah. it i loved it This is the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I had to orient myself for a second. Check out Brett Newsky's website because it has everything that he's doing, and he's doing a lot. The book, the illustrated book, which I am going to get as soon as possible, is called It's Hard to Be a Person. It looks amazing. He has albums. He has music. He has videos. He has merch. He has all kinds of stuff there. And you can find out about his tour dates, and that's at Brett Newsky. N-E-W-S-K-I dot com. And then, if you want to subscribe, please do. Subscribe vous play, if you'll pardon my French. Just listen and tell us what you think. And if you have a question, if you have a technique that works, if there's something that works for you, if you're interested in something, just tell us. And you can write to us at ed at makelight, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, media dot com. You can also find all of our shows on makelightmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on the new Believe, B-L-E-A-V, podcast network, which we're running there. That's a new network that you can find us on or Spotify, whatever. And keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. We will see you next time.